back. Excited to worship with you guys again. Uh, my wife wasn't able to join me today because she's enjoying 87 degrees in Florida right now. So um, I sent her a picture this morning. It was 15 degrees. She sent 87. And so I don't know where I'd rather be. So we're going to be in the book of Acts today, Acts chapter 2. Really, as we've gone through here over the couple of weeks ago when I was here and shared with you the purpose of the church, the Great Commission, and our mission is to, you know, to go and make disciples and baptize and teach. That moved into Jesus' ascension when he told the disciples, go back to Jerusalem and wait, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And sometimes God is telling us to wait, but as we wait doesn't mean that we have to be idle, just sitting and doing nothing. There's still some work to be done as we're waiting for the Spirit to come. And then we come to Acts chapter 2, and, and there's a lot of Acts chapter 2 before we get to, to verse 42. But when we come to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, what we have, and I would say for you here, First Baptist Church Bayfield, as you build new leadership, as you call a new pastor as you wait on some of those things Acts chapter 2 verse 42 gives us a look at what Christ's church should be and what we should be doing as we wait even as a new pastor comes as, as time goes on and as I said from the ascension to, to verse 42 we're going to skip ahead a little bit in the life of the disciples but before we get to verse 42, what we see in Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. And as they begin to speak, everybody that was there heard and understood the disciples in their own tongue. Then Peter gets up and he addresses the crowd that is before him. And he first speaks to their accusation because everybody thought the disciples were drunk and they were just babbling and Peter says, you know, it's, it's morning, we're not drunk. Here's what's going on. And Peter begins in this presentation of the history of what has happened up to this point. And then the people ask him, what must we do to be saved? They're ready to believe. They want to change in their life. They have seen so many things and they've heard so many things. But in this moment, they want this change in their life. And, and Peter responds with, with that very simple statement, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Repent and be baptized. And as we start in new seasons in life, look at changes that are coming. This is where we have to start. As believers in Jesus Christ, where we need to start is with repentance, with turning away from the things that we were doing before that were against God, with turning away from our sins and turning back to God and saying, I want a fresh start. I want to be new today. I want you to, to change me internally so that I can be more, I can be better, I can be different for you. And it may be that, that you're sitting here today and that's where you need to start, is to repent. 
Maybe it's to repent for the first time, but maybe you've just kind of wandered away from God a little bit and you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing and you need to make that 180 degree turn and say, I don't want to do this anymore, Lord. Change me. Peter says, be baptized. Because I don't believe you can fully follow or fulfill your calling from God until you follow him in baptism. And, and maybe that's what needs to happen. And as Peter shares this with the crowd that day, and lives are changed, the scripture tells us that 3,000 people were added to their numbers that day. 3,000 people repented that day. They went from 120 to over 3,000 in a morning. Now what do they do? Now, what are they supposed to look like? How do, you, how do you make this jump? How do you change things? And this is where we come to Acts chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 42. And they lay out for us what the church should look like. Starting in verse 42. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, as we come today, I ask God that you open your word to us. That God, every person hears from you. Here's the message, Lord, that you have. I pray, Lord, that you convict us today. And that we would be ready to change. We're praying in your name, Jesus. I want to say this before I get into this passage, because I think it's important when we look at Acts chapter 2 as a whole, to understand that 3,000 people were not saved on that day of Pentecost because Peter was an eloquent speaker. It wasn't because he had done the 40 hours of study to prepare what he was going to say. It wasn't because he went to seminary or he had a great teacher or he had a great pastor growing up and mentors and coaches and all of these things. 3,000 people were added that day because the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit had convicted them before and prepared their hearts for that moment when Peter opened his mouth and spoke and God reached 3,000 that day. And so one of the things that I believe we need to get back to is a, a point where, where we, we wait for the Holy Spirit to lead us to something so that the people that he sends us to have already heard and are already ready to receive. 
And so we don't want to get ahead of God in anything that we're doing. We don't want to get ahead of the Spirit. The disciples waited patiently for that day. And when it came, they did what they were supposed to do. And now as they have these numbers we see in verses 42 and through 47, something that I would call the backbone of what our church is. These four things, four things that are listed in this passage that should be everything about our church. Because the reality is, throughout history, churches come and go. In a church, leadership comes and goes. Membership comes and goes. Pastors come and go. Programs and, 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 and different things like that. They all come in and they leave because we think something better is out there. But the four things that stay the same should be these four things. These should always be a part of everything that we do. And it should be in every church. It should be something that we're focused on, that we make sure that we're looking at. But it's not just about, well, we need to make sure that we're teaching what the apostles taught. Yeah, we do, but that's not all of it. We need to make sure that we fellowship together and that we pray and that we... You know, we take the Lord's Supper. We don't want to just make sure we're doing these things before it talks about what they were. There is a word used here that we translate devoted to. And we need to understand that these weren't just things. They weren't just rituals that the first church did. They were devoted to them. And the Greek word that is used there means a single-minded focus. It means they continued steadfastly. It was all that they were about. They were devoted to these four things that I'm going to share with you today. They had a single-minded focus for them. The first one is this, the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. There was no departure in what they were doing from the apostles' teaching because it was the truth of God. They did not need anything else but the apostles' teaching. The apostles were not teaching their own doctrine at this point. They weren't teaching what somebody else had to say. They weren't teaching what this church said or what this scholar said. or what. That's not what they were doing. They took what Jesus commanded and they taught it to the people. That's what they were teaching, and that's what the people were devoted to, and that's what we should be devoted to today when we pick up the scriptures. We have the apostles' teaching. This is all we need. We don't need to look somewhere else. We don't need to say, uh, many of us have been in Bible studies, right, and, and there's, there's always somebody in a Bible study, and, and Forgive me if this is you, but there's always somebody in a Bible study who every time that they bring up a passage, they tell you what someone else said about it. And I think it's great that people study that hard, and they want to look into it, and they want to understand it. But when we start saying, this is what this person said about this passage, we're more devoted to the person than we are to the scripture. These people were not that way. They were devoted to what the apostles said. They were devoted to the testimony of the apostles. They were devoted to what Jesus taught the apostles to tell the people. And the teaching 
was the teaching because it was the truth of God. And we don't need anything else. Quite honestly, as pastors and churches, we need to be unoriginal in what we say. Because it should all be about the scripture. And it should always be about the scripture. And I don't need to come up with some clever way to say it or some great illustration to prove my point. The scripture is the scripture. It is the word of God. It has been for centuries and it will be until the end. We don't need more than that. We need to be devoted to the apostles' teachings. And this is something that you can do as a church at any moment. Whether you have a pastor or not, whether you have all of the leadership you need or not, you can be devoted to the apostles' teaching above everything else. Don't be devoted to something else. Don't put some adjective in front of you're a Christian. Because if you put an adjective in front of it, you're going to devote yourselves to what that is. Whatever that adjective is, that's what you'll be devoted to. We want to be devoted to the scriptures. We want to be devoted to Christ. And so that's what we need to focus on. These members of this first, what we would call the first church, were devoted to the apostles' teachings. We want to follow that example. The second thing that they were devoted to was the fellowship. The Greek word here is koinonia. It's translated as fellowship. It means a partnership. It means participation. It means sharing in. This first fellowship of believers, they shared life together. They lived together. They did everything together. They knew each other's secrets and they were transparent with each other. They, they lived life. And as the church, that's who we need to be. And not only were they living life together, they were devoted to it. They had a single-minded focus about it. Knowing about each other. Caring about each other. Sharing with each other. Being broken in front of each other. As followers of Christ, we're supposed to be devoted to sharing in each other's lives. Because we share the same Lord and Savior. We share the same guide for this life. We share the same love for God. We share the same desire to worship Him. So we have to be in this together. And it doesn't matter if you live in Bayfield, if you live in Denver, if you live in Durango or some other town. We are together in this. We're together. And there are people across our state right now praying for you specifically whose hearts are broken over some of the things that have happened and they've, they've, they've gone before the Lord for you, on behalf of you, in the gap for you, because we're living together. We are in fellowship. We are family. That's what we need to be devoted to. We need to be devoted to the, to the fact that, that we would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go help a brother who is in need. Devoted to the fellowship. Devoted to each other. The reason that we don't do this is because we don't want other people to see that we're broken. But in all reality, we share the same struggles. 
of life. We share the same issues that we go through. We all have had to deal with a, 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 a child who, who maybe wandered away from, from their faith and we had to figure out how to best help them or, or serve them or pray for them to get back to it. We've all had to go through stuff like that. And I can tell you from my experience, I am so thankful that God provided us a family who walked through it with us. Because without that, we wouldn't have made it through some things. I mean, I can... A few years ago, when we lived in Oregon, I was not going to share this story, it just came up. We lost our youngest son on the Oregon coast one day. We had taken a trip with the youth group. There was probably 30 of us. He wandered off in a different direction than everybody else, and he was lost for about four hours. Probably one of the two most horrible days of my life. But the family that God surrounded us with immediately was standing in the gap for us in prayer. (laughs) And they prayed and prayed until was found. That's what the fellowship is about. That's what we're devoted to. Because we need each other. We're not an island by ourselves. We need each other. And we need each other desperately. And we're not designed to go through this alone. Individuals on our own, we're designed to be in fellowship together. To live life together. To support each other. To love each other to spill our messes and our not perfect lives because we're devoted to the fellowship. We're devoted to being together. He says we're devoted to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship. The third thing that we should be devoted to is the breaking of the bread. Now there are a lot of people who believe that this is just about sharing meals together simply means that they gathered and they ate, but we see that a few verses later that that's what they were doing. But here it says they were devoted to share, or that they were devoted to the breaking of the bread. This this part of the verse is speaking of something that, that is so important to us. This is really about the Lord's Supper. The Greek that is used here has the definitive article, the. And so it makes the phrase read, the breaking of the bread. 
This is not just any average meal together where you're going to break bread. This is the breaking of the bread. And we're talking about the Lord's Supper. We're talking about remembering Christ's death and resurrection through the remembrance of this. We're talking about following the command that Jesus gave that every time we do it, do it in remembrance of him. It is important. It is, a, it is part of what we're supposed to be doing and we're supposed to be devoted to it. This is something that is important to the church. These believers were devoted to remembering the Lord's Supper, to taking the Lord's Supper, to the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup. And it's something that that we should be devoted to today. In Luke 24, verses 13 through 35, Jesus sat with some of his disciples and the scripture says that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and when he broke it, their eyes were open and they recognized him. I think this is a beautiful picture of the Lord's Supper because it's through the taking of the Lord's Supper that sometimes we recognize Jesus and what he's doing. It's through the taking of the Lord's Supper that sometimes God is able to speak to us when we haven't been listening. It's through being devoted to this that we are able to be this fellowship of believers that God wants us to be. The bread representing his body and the cup is blood. And we can't forget this. We need to be devoted to the remembrance of this. And if we'll humble ourselves before the Lord and be devoted to the breaking of the bread... We're following what the early church was doing. I want to give a word of warning here because I know you guys take the Lord's Supper every week. Make sure it doesn't become a ritual that you just do because this is what we do. Make sure we keep the importance of it, the devotion to it, and remember why we do it every time the fourth thing that they say is they were devoted to the prayers what is the most powerful thing that we can do as believers it's pray it's to pray for others it's to pray for christ to to take control it's to pray and this early church was was devoted to they continued steadfastly in the prayers Again, in the Greek, the definitive article occurs before the word prayer. So the text actually reads, they devoted themselves to the breaking of, of the bread and to the prayers. It wasn't just random. It wasn't just, hey, we're going to do this. They were devoted to it. One commentator wrote, obviously this is a reference to something formal, to worship in which the people gathered together and praised God. They were devoted to the prayers. They got together and they prayed together corporate prayer. But I know very few churches today who have corporate prayer. It's a thing of the past. We don't do that anymore. Yeah, they used to do that, but it's just nobody comes anymore. We're not devoted to it. We're not devoted to the prayers, to praying for Christ's work to be done. We're not devoted to praying for our church. We're not devoted to praying as a group. 
We need to be devoted to it. There are other things mentioned in this passage. The miraculous signs and wonders the apostles performed, the selling of possessions to help those in need. I believe those were all natural outpourings of the four things that they were devoted to. Because when you're devoted to the apostles' teaching, when you're devoted to fellowship, the breaking of the bread, to the prayers, you're going to start helping people. You're going to start sharing things. You're going to start giving and, and doing what God has called you to do. And the church today can have the same outcome if we would devote ourselves to these same four things. And what is the outcome? Day by day, the Lord was adding to their numbers. 3,000 people in one day, and then day by day, more and more and more. Because they were devoted to these things. Because they were devoted to what God had told them to do. I believe that we as Christ's church, if we would devote ourselves, if we would continue steadfastly, if we would have a single-minded focus on these four things, then our numbers would grow daily. Because this is what we would be about. And nothing else. But our churches across America, specifically, have made it about other things. We have made it about so many other things and it is, it is killing the church. Let's get back to what it was supposed to be. Let's get back to Scripture and nothing else. Let's get back to being family and understand that, that we can disagree on some things and still be family. Let's get back to prayer and to the breaking of the bread, living life together. And, and I think that we would be amazed at what we would see God do. We would be amazed at what he would do, would do for us. And these are not hard things to do. These are things that every church can, can write into. In these, we can find strength and encouragement to go and make disciples and baptize and teach. And God will add to our numbers those who are being saved. See, we can't get to this until we're ready to repent. Until we're ready to confess our sins and say, I I'm wrong, I did this, I said this, I was acting this way, and repent. And throw ourselves before the Lord to ask for forgiveness so that we can be he has called us to be. Because as long as we are not 
repenting. We will never be devoted to these things as an individual or as a church. And so we start with repentance. What is God asking you to repent of today? What have you been doing that, that is, goes against God, that goes against his teaching? What have you done that, that you just has hurt someone that you need to repent of? Today's the day. What must I do to be saved? Repent and be baptized. That's what, G, that's what Peter said. That's what you see all through Scripture. Sometimes we all need to repent. And we may need to repent so we can be devoted to these four things. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you this morning. I'm asking you to convict our hearts. Maybe as a church, maybe as your church, maybe as a, a follower of Christ, we have, we have stopped being devoted to the things that we should be and we have we have become devoted to something different. We've said it was about the church. We've said it was about following you. But we have become devoted to, to some movement or something that, that we shouldn't be. And in doing that, we have caused hurt. We have caused pain. We have caused something to happen that shouldn't have. And Lord, we need to come before you and repent of that so that, so that we can be different. We can be better. Maybe, Lord, we have sinned against another member of this, of this body of believers, a, a, a part of our family, a part of our fellowship, and, and we need to go to them, Lord, and, and, and just confess and repent and be forgiven. Or maybe, Lord, there is somebody sitting in this room today who has never given their life to you. And they're hurting. And they've been in pain. And nothing seems to be going right. You're saying to them right now, come to me, you who are weary, you who are broken, and I will give you life. I will save you from an eternity in hell if you believe in me. Turn your life over to me. God, speak. Speak into our hearts, into our lives. Take those things, Lord, that we have been devoted to that are not you and remove them, God. 
remove them from our lives, from our hearts, Lord, and put our devotion back on you. Lord, take this church, Lord, and all the things that have caused division and issue and remove them, Lord, and let it get back to being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Let this church be devoted to the fellowship. Lord, put it in a place to be devoted to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. That you would add to their numbers those who are being saved. Speak deeply to our hearts. In this moment, Lord. I'm going to ask you now just to sit, eyes closed, pouring your own heart out to God. Maybe you've wandered off that path and it's time to come back. Right now is an opportunity. Right now is an opportunity for you to go and pray with somebody else that's sitting in this room that God has laid on your heart. I need to go to them. Maybe you need to go to them and confess and repent. Maybe you just need to go sit with them and hug them. Right now is that opportunity. Maybe you need to come just to the front and and kneel before God. Say, forgive me. I'm just going to ask that if we can have a little bit of music if you want to play just slightly I don't know do you have and just as she's playing go maybe you want to come up here and pray with me listen to what God is saying so that this church so that you as believers can get back to the things that the early church was doing As Jesus leads, go. There is nothing that can change our hearts. There is nothing that can change this church. There is nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing that can heal us. Nothing that can make us whole again. 
is only the blood. Let Jesus make you whole again. Make this church whole again. Lord, as we come before you in this moment, again, I just ask for the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts. To convict us and to lead us to what, our, what we need to do. To the relationships that need to be healed. to the sins that we need to repent of, to the change that needs to take place in our own lives. God, let your blood overflow us and wash us white as snow that we would be a new creation devoted to you. That this church would be a new church devoted to you above everything else. We come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.